I always say to people, success with this is as strong as the weakest link, right? So you've got to nail your targeting, you've got to nail your offer, you've got to nail your creative for it to work. And if there's any breakdown in any of those steps, it all falls apart, right? But this is why you have to keep going and persevere. So if you're running retargeting ads, people are clicking on it and they're not buying, well, perhaps there's a problem with your offer, right? The solution is not to go and buy more traffic. The solution is to, I would say, change your offer. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. This is episode 924. Today, we're going to be talking about traffic, but around this topic, I've been thinking a lot lately about the way that we deliver our programs, and I've been having conversations with my friend, Alana, here. Welcome to the call, Alana. Thank you so much, James. It's, uh, it's always great to um, come and chat to you and communicate with your listeners. Well, it's always good to have you on board. I know you're an in-demand traffic expert on the global platforms these days, which is <laughs> wonderful, and you've been doing great things over there at teachtraffic.com. And you've been educating people around their traffic programs. Now, I've been the beneficiary of uh, a few of the insights you've had over the years, plugging that into my own system. And of course, traffic is a constant topic. It just doesn't go away. If you have a business online, at some point, you're going to want to get people to it. And this sort of brings up the potential scenarios people can create for themselves. A question I get a lot as a coach is, it varies. It's either Who's got the best course on such and such? And they'll, they'll say a topic, you know, it'll be YouTube traffic or it'll be Google AdWords traffic or Facebook, it's, you know, was a very, very common one. And then it might be, depending on the client and where they're at, they might say, who can recommend a traffic agency for me? Who's got a good agency that, that blah, blah, blah. Invariably, there'll be a little a tale of woe contained in that discussion about how they've tried some others or they've been burnt before or they weren't getting the results they want or their funnel didn't convert. Like there'll be almost always there's that, you know, they've tried something. Now, I think there's got to be some middle ground here because I know that not everyone is a self-paced learner. They're not the sort to just pull in content, go through it, implement it, and then get the results. Now, I know you probably do that. And I have at times done that as well. But there's got to be that middle ground. And I've often talked about the value of what we've been doing then what I think you're doing over there at teachtraffic.com is, yes, there's some content, but there's also an element of coaching. And certainly in my case, I've really experienced the benefit of community on top. And I know you've got a great little crew there as well over at Teach Traffic. So can you just speak to what you're seeing as an educator dealing with people who come along with a traffic problem How are you solving that for them in a way that is beyond just going and buying a course and in a way that's more educational and experiential for the customer than just paying an agency? Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point, James, because, I mean, you know, I'm a big course consumer myself. I've bought tons of courses out there. And what I've noticed, especially in my early days of mastering traffic and early days of kind of learning internet marketing was it's one thing to buy a course, but I, what I personally always found was that I was to make the logical leap of here's what somebody's teaching to how does this apply to me and my business, always kind of, there was like a disconnect there, you know? And so bridging that gap was, you know, and I'm not alone. Many people face this challenge of somebody's teaching me something, or even when I'm watching a YouTube tutorial, right? But then to apply it to your own business in your own account with your own tracking and all that kind of stuff, 
invariably you hit road bumps along the way. So the ability to be able to ask someone a question and go, hey, I did what you said, but this is what I'm finding. Have I done something wrong? Is this right? Is this normal? What do you think? For me, that was always priceless, you know? So that was always my feeling in creating courses or, or even running in-person workshops, which I've done in many, many years. You teach someone something and then invariably 10 hands go up and go, look, I'm trying to do it in my account and like I'm stuck, help, you know? So that's just what happens generally. And obviously over the years of teaching online at, at Teach Traffic, people have questions and they need feedback. And so it's in very, very normal to kind of hit road bumps, as I said, along the way. And it's so important to be able to get feedback. And I guess that's sort of what agency work has taught me as well over the years in that I've dealt with so many different accounts and software that people use and their tech stack, which is always, you know, invariably like, you know, sometimes tech stack doesn't talk nicely to each other. So Frankensteins, we call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I've got, I guess, a lot, a wide range of experience in that respect of kind of troubleshooting and I guess always kind of putting my detective hat on. Well, I think you've even been teaching people at uh, university at some stage, right? I did for about four years. Yeah. So they realize that they know that someone can have a better learning outcome if they combine the content with a facilitator to actually offer context to resolve problems. Kind of reminds me of when I, um, and I don't like to do this, but occasionally I'll assemble flat pack furniture. It's like when you get the little, yeah. you get the little bag and you can't read the screw type on it, or it looks so similar to the other one and you can't tell, or you're missing a piece and it's like you stopped. You have to stop there. Yeah. My uh, gorgeous little daughter uh, was assisting me to assemble a trampoline a few weeks back and um, managed to uh, misplace a, a screw or a nut somewhere in the, the back garden <laughs> and uh, I had to go down to I had to go down to uh, the hardware store we call it Bunnings in Australia and uh, I had to spend uh, like 17 cents to buy a new nut to be able to complete this assembly but then for another thing that I had recently a crew showed up and just assembled the whole thing for me so that was awesome now the difference is I only needed that thing once if I was going to do this on an ongoing basis and if it was in a dynamic playing field, which is where traffic really sits, I mean, yeah. that's when it's actually quite handy to start learning this, but to also get some help. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that hybrid is. Yeah. What I am curious about is when you're helping people with traffic, what are the typical areas where you're able to really enhance beyond the content when you're working with someone? Like where do they get stuck? Are there common themes or patterns? Right. Is there an area that you're saying, okay, well, this is tremendously valuable to the person coming through into my ecosystem? Yeah, it's often a starting point for people who kind of really want to get their feet, their toes wet, let's say, before even their feet wet would be they join my retargeting challenge, which is a 14-day challenge. Where do we get that? Just because um, people are going to start Googling now. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you just go to teachtraffic.com slash challenge. It sells for 10 bucks as a one-off fee. And I break down how to create a retargeting campaign on both Facebook and Google. And really each day is like one or maybe two or three videos to consume. Like I made it into it actually used to be a seven-day challenge, but the feedback I got was too much content per day. So each day is very bite-sized. 
So usually most people, when they want to kind of start to make the transition from either starting traffic or migrating from having an agency to bringing it in-house, which there's definitely a trend towards that as people want to kind of have more control, have faster response times. Because if you want to like launch a campaign, it often takes an agency maybe a week or something to launch it. They kind of want to be nimble and move quickly. Integrate with their tech stack team their content team. That and integrate with their email marketing as well. You know, like some people kind of want to run a promo via email, but they want their retargeting ads to coincide with the emails. And by the time they get their agency kind of all that they need and the agency launches it, there's just a massive time discrepancy. Anyway, so the retargeting challenge is probably the way that most people kind of start to kind of roll up their sleeves and get experience with it. And I guess the way I help people in that is kind of answering a lot of their questions. Hang on a minute. For $10, you're answering questions? Yep. $10 for as long as they've got questions for regarding retargeting. Wow. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, full disclosure, my goal is to provide them with a huge amount of value so that they like what they see and that they um, decide to upgrade to the full membership, but they don't have to. It's a one-off course. Well, if, if they do it right, I imagine it would pay for it the membership anyway, right? If they get a yield from their $10, like for most people when they're spending $10, I expect they probably, they would have in their mind, maybe they'll get a video or a PDF or some emails, but I don't think they're going to expect much in the way of coaching. Exactly. But invariably what I have found is people have a lot of questions. When <laughs> What do they ask? What questions do they have? Oh my God, they've got so many questions. I've, I mean, you know, I could kind of rattle off a couple of them. Okay. Rattle away. Okay. So generally speaking, people's questions regarding retargeting is kind of like broken down into four distinct areas by far in a way. The first one being like getting their tech set up, the setup trips a lot of people up. It is a little bit fiddly to kind of get all the ducks in a row and the data talking nicely to each other and installing the right codes on the right pages and et cetera. So, you know, for example, in regard to this, well, I'll just go through the four main components. The first is setup. The second is about their offer. So their offer that they're showing their retargeting audience. The third is what creative to use. And the fourth is understanding the data. Once they've launched the campaign successfully and it's running, they're kind of like, oh God, are my numbers good? <laughs> you know? Well, it'd be hard for them to know in isolation, wouldn't it? If you've seen well, exactly. a lot of, a lot of yeah. campaigns, yeah. you could say, well, actually, they're not bad or they're pretty rubbish or <laughs> whatever. They're rubbish or actually, oh, my God, like you're killing it. Well done. Like people, often mm. people don't realise if they're doing really well. And conversely, they don't realise if their ads are completely tanking. So if they take the challenge and they spend the $10 and they ask you the questions, they get set up and their offer's working and their creatives are done and now they're getting data, mm -hmm. for $10, they're going to know if their product's good or Yep. Great. Yep. One-off fee and they've got access to the videos afterwards. There's no hidden catches with it whatsoever. As I said, my ultimate goal for putting the $10 price tag was just to make it insane value for people. Maybe one day I'll increase the price. Um, <laughs> yes, I don't know. We won't hold you to it. I mean, I've got past episodes where, in fact, I had a $10 program for a couple of years, which was ridiculously too cheap. Mm. And uh, it was a test and I enjoyed it very much. My clients loved it. In order to focus on my partnerships, I ended up superseding that program. Now, 
there must be a lot of subtleties within each person's campaign. Like this is an incredibly complex field. I know you're a super data brain. You know, you're a former analyst. You have this, you know, incredible capacity to both understand numbers and communicate with people. <laughs> it's super rare. But so what sort of things are you talking about with these people? Okay. So a really common question people have is they install their tracking codes on their website and they follow the steps and they create their audiences inside their Google ad account and their Facebook ad account. And so the audiences start accumulating people on there. However, when they look in their Google Analytics account, they might see a lot more users according to analytics than what the numbers are showing inside their ad account. So for example, say I look in my Google Analytics and I see a thousand visitors in the last 30 days. One would think if I go into my Google ad account and look at my audience, it should have exactly the same number of people. So people sometimes see a discrepancy in that number. And often what happens, well, not often, always what happens is only when you create your audience does it start recording those people. Okay. So it won't backpopulate, which is why it's so important to like, you know, day one of the retargeting challenge is to get those tracking codes on your website so that it can start remembering who's come to your website. I may show my age here a little bit, but remember the days of like tape recorders, right? Mm-hmm. When you used to like press record, if you don't press record, it's, you're not going to be able to rewind for what was previously played, right? So you've got to press record. Well, it's like a Zoom call. Like a Zoom call. That's exactly right. For, for the modern day <laughs> James checks, am I recording? Yes. <laughs> Done that before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Haven't we all? So that's, um, there's a discrepancy there. So often you need to wait whatever is the time duration from the list size that you've created so that the data matches up. Another question people have is a lot of the default settings when people create a campaign, let's say Google Ads, is Google's trying to funnel you in to create a certain type of campaign and there's lots of sneaky default settings. So people wonder like which bid strategy they should use. Because it's essentially an auction system, isn't it? The underpinning of the Google ad platform. It is an auction system, but Google has made massive advancements in the last couple of years towards what's called machine learning and artificial intelligence away from the advertiser doing manual bidding to Google taking care of the bidding itself. Often the default bid strategy is what's called maximize conversions, in which case you're basically saying to Google, I don't care what I pay for a click, just get me as many sales as possible, but it can often be unprofitable. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) What could possibly go wrong, especially with a brand new ad account, which has zero data. There seems like some biases built in there. Like if someone pays more, it could be in Google's interest to earn more. It's like, you know. Well, absolutely. But the real problem with this is with a brand new ad account, Google doesn't have any data to apply its machine learning. So it's wild swings in cost per, in what people pay for a cost per click. So you need to train it. You need to give it instructions. It's like before you send Jack off to the markets with the, you know, just to, to, exactly. to get the cow and he comes back with a bean. <laughs> well, exactly. You've got to give him instructions. Okay. You got to give them instructions. So often I say to people, skip these default settings and just do manual CPC starting out so you can control your costs and hopefully get some good data in your account. And then possibly later migrate to machine learning. But with a brand new ad account starting out, I definitely would not do that. Another little setup question people have is 
you know, do they exclude mobile apps from their retargeting campaign, which is kind of like playing whack-a-mole. There's lots of junk placements out there. So we need to kind of exclude all that crap from people. And on the Facebook side of things, a big setup question that people have is off the back of Apple iOS 14 update, there's a whole new method of creating conversion events. Mm -hmm. It's all explained in a video, but you need to kind of prioritize events now. God, no wonder you need to talk to them. (laughs) It's a minefield. It is a little bit of a minefield, yeah. Without instruction, that is. But the payoff is so worth it. The ability to track and trace someone around and offer them the right message at the right time um, when they've already shown interest in your stuff. The conversions must be stratospheric from these things. Well, this is why the setup is so critical because if you are running a campaign with bad data, you're flying blind. So you have to get this stuff right first. And once you've set it up, you're away, even for cold traffic campaigns. Is this basically, you know, the first stop for you whenever you have a new person coming on board, your normal programs? Oh, my God, absolutely. Like, So people can purchase audits from me and checking what I call the digital plumbing of people's accounts is step one because I need to know if the data's good. Okay. How often do you go in there and check their plumbing and find anyone who's got it all hooked up correctly? Has it ever happened? Very rarely. Very <laughs> rarely. I mean, I don't do that for the challenge people. It's for the full teach traffic members. I mean, they're doing it themselves, but, you know, step by step with your guidance by the sound of it. But as someone who's been doing this for a while now and spent quite a lot of money on ads and as an agency, I mean, there's good agencies and bad agencies. When you're an agency, mm. you're a very good agency. I imagine you've probably had to fix some other plumber's work. Absolutely. We never, ever assume it's been set up correctly. And a common mistake people or other agencies make is they might um, double count conversions or count conversions which aren't really conversions. So they might set up in an account like add to cart being a conversion event and purchase Mm -hmm. without kind of excluding the add to cart, you know? So it's like double counting. So people think they're making twice as many sales and they're kind of confused because they're looking in their Shopify account and the data doesn't match up to what Google ads is saying. And they're like, I don't get it. And so, yeah, one can never assume it's been set up correctly. It's like, it's so true. It's like, it reminds me of that time that the accountant wanted me to pay $300,000 in tax and I said, I like just looking in the account that belongs to that product line, like the money's not there. So there's got to be something wrong. Yeah. And it turns out they were double counting my PayPal because I was transferring it from one account to another. So they counted it as additional revenue. Yeah. So I was going to yeah. have to pay tax on money I didn't make in this case. But you got to check, you just got to check all this stuff, every part of your business. So it, what you're saying, well, what I'm hearing is, I'm going to suggest this. If you're currently running, any kind of campaigns across Facebook and Google ads, even with an agency, it might be worth going through the challenge to check your plumbing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And maybe I'm biased, but I always think, you know, even if you decide to stick with your agency and, and that's totally fine. Like I've got people inside Teach Traffic who are learning enough so that they can just ask better questions of their agency. And so they're like, hang on a minute, you're telling me this, but that's not really very relevant. I thought it's all about what I'm paying for a lead, not click-through rate, all that kind of stuff. So it really does just equip you with better knowledge so you can even ask better questions. It's like the, but my air conditioning failed. It was making this horrible rattling sound. And the, the guy that came out, he was pretty much ready to rip out the ceiling and replace the whole unit. And so I asked him to test the fan, like to isolate the fan and turn it off. And he did, and it was still making a noise. And the whole problem was there was a second fan, a booster fan, 
just sitting yeah. down the line and all that all that needed was to replace that. So we cut a very small hole in the roof, replaced that. So instead of being $15,000 job, it was a $1,500 job. But I'm just so thankful that I was there mm-hmm. and able to, you know, offer some diagnostic help to this poor technician. <laughs> I don't think he was uh, malicious in any way. I just think he was just going for the obvious but not correct answer. Yep, yep. Yeah, you've got to always think like with critical analysis. It's like, well, let's try this and does this work? And okay, so that's eliminated that problem. It's almost like- Well, you I mean, I want you on my team and it comes to solving these sort of things. You've helped, <laughs> you've helped me set up some very long running campaigns on my Google search campaigns and my, um, I still see my book ads on content sites and stuff. It's, you know, it's <laughs> been great. So what is a UTM parameter while we're here? I know what it is, but I think people probably hear this term and don't quite understand how powerful it is. Yeah. So it's a Google Analytics trackable link. Okay. And it enables you to really have control over your traffic sources. And really it's applicable for Facebook ads because let's all be honest, Facebook and Google, they're not really friends. So the problem people have when they're running traffic is that the Facebook ad traffic is mixed in with their Facebook organic traffic is mixed in with their Facebook referral traffic. And so when they log into their analytics to see how their traffic sources are performing and converting, they can't distinguish their Facebook ad traffic from their organic. So if you create a trackable link just for your Facebook ads, that will separate that Facebook ad traffic from the Facebook organic traffic. And you can see how lots of data, how many users clicked on it, how long they spent on your website, did they view more than one page, and ultimately did they do what you wanted them to do, which is buy or contact you or whatever it is your goal. So you're saying using a Google Analytics tracking link with your Facebook campaigns? Correct, yep. At the ad level? Yep. I remember when I discovered this, I published about this in Traffic Grab, it's probably 10 years ago now, but yeah. when I discovered that Google has a URL builder yeah. and that you can put you can put this in emails, you can put it on social media, you can put it anywhere, you can even create a redirect and run radio ads. Like exactly. this powerful stuff. It's like putting an x-ray vision over every piece of traffic that you can control. I mean, obviously you can't control all traffic sources, but the ones you can control, you get to put, it's effectively like sticking a trace die into the source Mm. that you can see emerge at the other end. And then you can say, oh, I know where that came from. So what else? I mean, so I was just going to say, your listeners might be wondering where would they find this? You can just Google Google Analytics URL builder and the first organic listing comes up. It's a free tool Mm. provided by Google and you just put in the metrics that you want to track. I mean, depends how granular you want to go. Some people track down to the ad level. So they create different UTM links per ad. So they can see which creative has performed the best. Now, you listeners might also be wondering, well, won't Facebook ads ad manager tell me that data? Yes and no with Apple iOS tracking blocking. It's still nice to have it all in one place though, if possible. And we used to actually, and probably still do, sometimes track the you know different links in an email, the link in the middle or yep. versus the PS, et cetera. Like you could get a feel for what's really getting the clicks, et cetera. Yep, yep. So yeah, that's, um, I guess, but you know, you don't have to go to that granular level. You could just at the very, very least. It's a massive difference between UTM parameters versus not UTM parameters. That's probably the highlight here. Massive difference. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now imagine people going through the challenge might be coming from different sort of 
types of businesses. They might be e-commerce or they might be info product or they might be an agency. I suppose they might have different objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is going to require some subtle discussions. So on the Facebook side of things, when you are creating your Facebook retargeting campaign, my personal preference is to always choose a conversion objective campaign, which is really your way of telling Facebook what your goal is. Some people create a video views campaign, which is telling Facebook, I just want people to watch my video. Personally, you know, I've always been a results-driven agency or person. So I always like to tell Facebook, yeah, I want people to watch my video, but I want people to click and buy. So that was always my, well, is my preference is to choose a conversion objective campaign. Sometimes we will choose a traffic campaign if we're just trying to get as many people back to the offer. Only really we would do that if there's a possible tracking issue. And this is usually involved with people who have third-party software like booking software, which doesn't integrate. Probably a little bit technical but beyond the scope of this uh, this podcast interview. Um, <laughs> Look at you go. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it's just some people like use booking software, like mm. for example, Schedule you know, if you run like a yoga, yeah, well, yeah or um, people got like a yoga studio and people want to like book a class or a lot of those booking softwares, which I am amazed in 2022, the time of this recording, it still can't integrate their Facebook pixel in there. Is there a good booking one actually? A client of mine is actually looking for a great booking software to run classes online. Have you found one that is actually great? I haven't. Yeah. I mean, there's a software product for, for you know entrepreneurs who's listening to this. I mean, you'd have a customer right here. Love it. There you go. Huge opportunity. <laughs> you heard it first. Massive opportunity. Yeah. yeah. I've got another member inside Teach Traffic who deals with laundromats and their booking software, and they spent a lot on Google Ads, and they, there's no integrating software. I mean, it astounds wow. me, to be honest. Okay. Well, let's see the things you see when you look under the hood. Yeah, yeah. What else do you notice that's different? I mean, speaking of um, the offer, yeah, gosh, there's so many possibilities, isn't there? That's like what people are actually selling. So many possibilities. And one real common question people have is, maybe I'm running cold traffic campaign to some kind of offer. Let's say your book, James, people come to buy your book, but they don't buy. Question you might have would be, do I show an ad for my book again or do I show them something different? Mm -hmm. You know, someone came, they didn't buy, maybe life kind of got in the way and they're still possibly interested or they came and weren't interested and you try and offer something else. So the answer is really to test. Mm -hmm. The question then becomes, how long do you test for? (laughs) And the answer depends on- So that's why you need to, you know, you just- so people say, oh, here's what I've got and, and, you know, what are my options here? And you can say, well, you could try this, this and this. You know, go ahead and set them up. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And a lot of people have questions about creative as well, like what, right. what creative works, what creative doesn't work. Okay. When you say creative, can we just break that? What does creative even mean? Because we hear this all the time. It, well, my definition of creative is what is the ad that you're showing people. So the words and the pictures. The words and the pictures, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, your one's job as an advertiser is to stop people and get them to click. Some people would, you know, may not even have resource to do the words and the pictures. You know, can everyone do this themselves? Um, I mean, Canva is a good free tool that you can use. Obviously, I've got a staff member inside my agency who, who does that. 
But many people use Canva or they might hire someone just to do some one-off banners or they might kind of um, create them themselves. And you know what? Often really simple creative is actually really effective. It doesn't actually need to be designed by a designer, a graphic designer. I've seen very, very effective and very simple ads that work really well because the offer is so fantastic. But at the end of the day, the job of the ad is to stop someone scrolling and sometimes really simple ads are really effective at doing that. Yeah, because they're not just blending in and jarring almost. They're not just blending in. It's like, oh, my God. Exactly. Look at this amateur ad. I've got to click on it. Or the copy is so good in the ad that it just stops people and they just stop and think about it. Like it's a direct hit for the problem on the customer's mind and they're like, oh, I want that. Like, you know, 50% off surfboard sale. It wouldn't have to be a great font for me to be interested in, like, what is that? What's that? You know, I'd click on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's the message to market and whatever it is is going to stop that person in their tracks to some degree. And so you you look at ads and you say, well, do you have a hypothesis? You say, okay, well, you could try this or that or these look okay or I think this isn't very compelling or it's likely to just blend in. You can probably tell when you have a look at it. I can absolutely tell with a Facebook ad. I mean, the mistake people make, everyone makes the same classic mistakes when they start kind of dabbling in running their first Facebook ads and they don't have a great image and image is critical, but the ad copy that is above their image, it's too chunked together. It's really difficult to read. They don't kind of have a clear, like they're not calling out their target audience. They often don't put a link to where that people can claim whatever it is they're offering in the ad copy itself, which is something I always like to do. That old chestnut. (laughs) Exactly. At the end of the day, like people are going to be skim reading that Facebook ad. So you've got to make it spaced out enough that people can skim read it and people just like chunk all this stuff, all this text together or they don't write any text at all. So, yeah, and obviously I include examples of what I've seen of some really good ads as people can use as a framework. Well, I know for a fact you've been um, tuning up your own copywriting skills. Your emails are fantastic that you send out. Oh, thanks. And you've also been quite interested in videos because you've done a lot of stuff with YouTube and obviously Facebook allows you to load videos as well as images or just text. Yeah. Do you want to speak to about the, the videos, the sort of image side of things? Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where um, well, obviously I'm going, I'm spending a lot of time building up my YouTube channel, as you mentioned. But in terms of a video ad, I always recommend people to split test an image ad versus a video ad on Facebook. And this is really particularly relevant for people with e-commerce. Often the best video ads for e-commerce are just really simple, maybe even face to camera explainer videos. People can kind of see the product, kind of visualize. What you're trying to do is, is simulate an experience that people might have if they walked into the store and picked up the product and held it and touched it and opened it and kind of, you're trying to simulate that experience for people. So a video ad that kind of goes through that is often very, very effective. Yeah. A a guy came and picked up a surfboard of mine yesterday and he asked me how I'm connected to the website where he's seen this before. My own, I've got my website, my surf website. And he said he's bought lots and lots of boards from reading reviews on that site and like, yeah, right. Because I'm doing exactly what people wanted. They want someone to go and collate all the stuff on the internet for each model and put it in one place. All the Instagram, YouTube mm. videos, the specs from the manufacturer's site, pictures of actual boards being used. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that the imagery is critical. The, the video, we're in a video world, so it's certainly worth trying. 
What would happen if someone's going through this and they're just not making any conversions? It's so awkward and it sucks. And certainly as a coach, I hate that the most. Mm. And I'm often picking up the pieces of someone else's train wreck. <laughs> like they come to me yeah. after going through a course, after spending the money, after hiring people, after putting together their offer and running a launch or something and they make no sales or very few sales. Where do you go from there? Yeah, and it's a really tough one and I my heart breaks for these people because I mean, I, I can just really empathize. I mean, I certainly have never hit it out of the park. We've all been there. We've all been, We've all there. been there. Yeah. And it's really hard. Like this stuff is actually, it's not easy, you know, but it rewards the persistent. And I always say to people, success with this is as strong as the weakest link, right? So you've got to nail your targeting. You've got to nail your offer. You've got to nail your creative for it to work. And if there's any breakdown in any of those steps, it all falls apart, right? But this is why you have to keep going and persevere. So if you're running retargeting ads, people are clicking on it and they're not buying, well, perhaps there's a problem with your offer, right? The solution is not to go and buy more traffic. The solution is to, I would say, change your offer. People are clicking. So your creative is doing its job of getting the click, right? That's what the data has revealed. Yet, let's say you got 250 people clicking on your ad, no sales. That's a problem, okay? So I think that's a problem worth fixing before you start even buying any more traffic. Mm. Change your offer or change your landing page or add reviews to your landing page. Have a look in your analytics. Are people spending time on there or are they bouncing straight away? Maybe you've got to change your headline. It requires a level of diagnosis. And often the first step I recommend people to do is to install heat mapping software on that offer page. One of my favorite tools is hotjar.com. You can use the free account. You don't even need to use the paid account. And the good thing with Hotjar is you can, it's going to sound a bit creepy, but you can set up for it to record people's sessions and you can watch those recordings, mm -hmm. right? And you can see what the, is the experience for people on all their different devices. And I guarantee you, you will find that maybe on, you know, Samsung devices, it's all skewed and that's why people kind of are getting annoyed or they're not even scrolling all the way down the page. So then you possibly got to move some of those important page elements at the bottom, further up the top. It will give you insights and it's important to diagnose this, to fix it because this is holes in a bucket before you then start flooding your site with more traffic. So, yeah, so the answer is, you know, in terms of what to do in that situation, the answer is it depends and it depends on kind of those factors that I've talked about. If you're running a retargeting campaign and no one's even clicking, well, then I would say it's a problem with your creative or your offer, in which case the first thing to test is to change creative completely, like make it completely different. Still no one clicking, then I would change your offer. Love it. Yeah, I was, I was using those um, recording tools like 15 years ago, the very early versions of them. Yeah. And uh, when I was a super affiliate, I was spending up to six to $8,000 a day on traffic, on paid traffic. And wow. you, you can bet I wanted wow. to know where people were doodling around the page and what they were clicking on. And, um, yeah, we used all the tools that, that were available. Now what you can get for free is mind-blowing compared to what we had to pay back then to be able to do that. Um, and another metric that people need to also pay attention to, and one of my real pet hates, is if an advertiser is remarketing to me and they show me the same ad over and over and over again. Oh my god, yeah, I'm seeing some in my feed at the moment that I'm just I don't want to see, and I'm actually having to click on them to stop showing the ad. 
It's like they've yep. come on. It's obnoxious, or that you know someone's not running that campaign right because I clearly haven't done anything the first fifty-seven times. <laughs> Stop showing me the ad. Exactly. So a metric to really pay attention to in your account is the frequency metric. So when you log into your Facebook ad account, you will see the frequency metric. I personally, you know, don't want to go, it to go above three or four. Three is okay. Four is kind of getting, in my view, of, of the too high. Rather than turning it off, you might just want to change creative completely. So it kind of feels like a different ad to people, even though you're the same advertiser. And then, yeah. So, and depending on your audience size will be a factor of how quickly you will get to that frequency limit. If you've got a really large audience, it might take ages for you to get to that high frequency. But if you've got a really small audience, let's say of a thousand or 2000 people, you're going to hit that frequency metric pretty quickly. Well, even right there, like you could tell someone what a big audience or a small audience actually is. Like, how would you know otherwise? That's exactly right. I know. Sometimes, yeah. It's like it's podcast episodes like this where I feel absolutely blessed. I get this massive education. I get to sit here and just listen to the gold dripping off off every word. I've just had a masterclass in remarketing on this episode 924. The link again for that challenge, you want it if you. I mean, you already know now if you're doing the challenge, where do we go and get it? Uh, best place is to go to teachtraffic.com slash challenge. As I said to you at the start of the episode, it's a one-off fee of $10. If you go there, maybe long after this episode has been published, <laughs> probably the price would have changed. So my apologies. Um, uh, that's, that's only fair. You, you, I used to sell it for 50 I'm going to say when this episode's published, you might get a little influx. So you might want to put aside a few hours in your schedule to be answering a bunch of questions. But I mean, yeah, happy to. What I do get to see is I get to see what you're doing with teachtraffic.com. You and I have been working together for a long time now. And yeah. actually it's, it's kind of proof in what we're saying here. I didn't just publish a few PDFs. Like when I think of you, one of, one of your big questions is, you know, you are a question asker. You're like, but how? And you know, <laughs> That's something that I think of when I think of Alana. You, you just want to know. You're a curious mm. person and yeah. you've designed a system where people who are curious about traffic can get the answers and that's what I like. Yeah. You're not a big slick marketing machine. You're not a massive organisation. You're just someone who gets it and wants to share and you're an educator and I, I love that. It's, it's yeah. always a pleasure chatting. Thank you for being so generous in this episode. And I really hope, uh, I hope you get an influx um, of new customers who want to come and check out what you've got to offer. Thank you. And look, for those of you who do decide to join, obviously I'd love to help you. And I like the best result for me would be for you to have, you know, a flood of sales as a result of the retargeting campaign that you implement. I mean, nothing, honestly, I, I get a little buzz every time somebody you know, has a great result. And I guess that's the ultimate goal as an educator is to for my students to absolutely kill it, you know, so that they don't need an agency. I mean, I, I do still do a tiny little bit of agency work, but the only reason I do that actually is to keep my skills sharp. I mean, yeah. so I'm on the ground kind of implementing what is working right now. And um, yeah, otherwise I'd actually t- shut down my agency, to be honest. I get the buzz when someone emails me and they say, I, I love that episode you did with Alana and I took the challenge and thanks for doing that because I've had a great result. That for me is what it's all about. So, yeah. All right, we're going to put this up at episode 924. There's quite a lot of technical talk, so we'll fully transcribe it. Well, you see episode 924, yeah. Alana Wexler there from teachtraffic.com. We'll catch you on a future episode. Thanks so much, James. Great to chat. 
This is James Schramko.